Today's podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, and medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburn, rashes, and other types of skin damage. And the best part is that it's safe and non-toxic, which makes it suitable for use on all skin types and all parts of the body, even with rosacea, eczema, or acne-prone skin. With over 500,000 happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and ingredients so safe and clean they can be used from the littlest member of your family to the oldest, you now have one simple solution for all your family's skin health needs. I have three kids. We have injuries in our house almost daily, and so it's so nice to have active skin repair to reach for in my cabinet because I know that it's safe, natural, and non-toxic. We use it for things like burns or scrapes or cuts. My youngest daughter recently had a really bad finger injury and we were using it on her and it did not sting or burn her at all. So it was perfect. Today, as a listener of this podcast, you can get a special discount on your order of active skin repair. Visit activeskinrepair.com to learn more and to get 20% off your order, use code no one told us. That's activeskinrepair.com code no one told us for 20% off your order. Welcome to the No One Told Us podcast. Today, we have a very, very special, extra special guest, my husband, Marley. Hi, everyone. (laughs) And I think this is going to be a very highly anticipated episode because every time we do like Q&As and have little snippets of you on my Instagram page, people really enjoy hearing your perspective. And I think part of that is because you share great insights, obviously, but also there's not a lot of um, like dad perspectives out there. So I think it's nice. It's just nice to have. It's very kind of you to say. <laughs> so the particular topic we're going to talk about today is relationship changes after baby or babies. And I think this is a really important topic. There was um, a Gottman Institute study or uh, survey or something that found that a lot of people, the majority of people, 67% of couples report a drop in relationship satisfaction for up to three years after the birth of a baby, which definitely tracks, definitely makes sense. I can see how that is a stat. Um, but I also think even though it's the majority of couples that go through that, it's not talked about all that much. Were you expecting our relationship to change after a baby? I mean, I think Sure, I was expecting it to change some. I don't know that there had been much conversation in my life by older generations or even peers who had had kids before us about what to expect or the impact it's had. I think that there's probably, I mean, I know that there is sort of a lot of like shame and yeah. a lot of paranoia about it, it being a reflection on your relationship. Totally. There was this one TikTok I posted a few weeks ago and got a lot of heat for. People were really mad at me for saying that it's kind of delusional. I didn't say it in these words, but kind of delusional to assume that your life is not going to change at all after you have a baby and that everything will just be exactly the same. And I don't know. I guess that could potentially be true for some people if they maybe have just one kid or if they have a really easy baby, that was definitely not our experience with our first though. Like I felt like everything changed. Yeah. I felt like everything changed and you know, now we're obviously on our third and we know that it can be hard and it can get better. Yeah. You can definitely regain so much of what you had 
at the beginning of your relationship and so much more because you've bonded, you've gotten so much closer having these experiences around children. Totally. But I certainly understand that couples that are self-conscious when they're in the midst of it and they don't want to talk about it because maybe they're just concerned that they're not going to come out of it. That this is actually the quote unquote beginning of the end. Yeah. And I think so much of what we see like on social media plays into that. Everybody just assumes that a baby should bring you closer together and that you shouldn't struggle. But also I think, I mean, we can just start, I guess, with talking about our first experience. But if you or your partner are dealing with like postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety, that can also make it seem like your relationship is just the last thing on your mind. You're just like in survival mode and thinking about going to, you know, couples counseling or making time to go on dates or to be intimate. Like all of that just seems so out far, so far outside of what you're capable of at that moment. Yeah, absolutely. And having a baby is hard. It's a lot. It's a hardship. It is certainly like something that you have to take on. I think couples that would struggle with any sort of hardship in their life, this can be one that exacerbates some some of some of the fissures in a relationship. But for a lot of people, it also makes things stronger. It allows you to work together. It allows you to be a team and navigate all of those things as a partnership. And while it might seem bleak at times, it can really help build a stronger foundation. I think that's an important point too, is that sometimes it just kind of like highlights the things that are already maybe not like huge problems. Every relationship has its issues, right? But it definitely highlights, you know, things like lack of communication or like resentments or things like that. And it can make those things feel a lot bigger or a lot worse. Yeah. How how you treat each other when you're exhausted. Oh yeah. There's a screamy baby that doesn't care. Well, that's why we made that rule. I think we made it with auto, right? It was our first, we made this rule because don't don't take anything seriously said in the night. Yeah. Don't do not take anything said in the middle of the night. Seriously. Every morning you get a clean slate because I said some real, <laughs> real fucked up stuff to you in the middle of the night when I had, you know, a baby on my boob all night long who would just like not settle down. I hadn't slept. I was such an anxious mess. A lot of that was informative for us. I think that you, that when Otto was born, you initially wanted me to be up with you in the night, but mm-hmm. then when all he wanted to do was nurse, and I'm like sitting there trying to rub your back. I know. Or say like, like get off me. <laughs> encouraging words to you. <laughs> you were like, you're not doing it. I was like, okay, well, this is good. That's another, yeah. Good in theory. And we, we figured that one out, that it made more sense for you to kind of be more rested during the day so that you could take care of me, so that I could take care of him. That's another thing I got a lot of hate for on TikTok was saying like, if you're exclusively breastfeeding, it might actually be worth it to just let your partner sleep. People really did not like that advice. I don't think that you would have liked it. No, I wouldn't have. And it doesn't make sense for every situation, of course. But I think there is this idea, especially when you have your first baby, that like we're going to split everything. It's going to be a 50-50 partnership. And like I love that for you. If that's what you're thinking, you you know, you might have an amazing partner who's very domesticated like you. Like you do all the chores, you do so much with the kids, you're so involved and hands-on, like you're an amazing partner. It still could never be 50-50 and that's just the reality. And what? You don't think we're doing I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sorry to burst anyone's bubble out there. Um it can't really be 50-50 all the time, but I feel like if you're both giving your your 100% like towards the cause, 
that's sometimes the best you can do. And for a non-birth parent, that does mean though that if there is a, a task at hand, do it, and you're trying to figure out who's going to do it, it's got to be you. It's you. Like you kind of took over all the dog stuff, all the cleaning in the house, all the finances, all the finances, communication with our families. Like I really was just focused on keeping the baby alive, and, and look, they're all alive, and I did it. <laughs> So yay me. Okay. So what do you think was the biggest like shock after our first baby? How do you feel like our relationship changed the most? Like, was it time together? Was it like intimacy? What do you feel like was the biggest surprise? I think it was just, and this, I acknowledge this varies from couple to couple, baby to baby. But for us, it was just how much attention we had to, pay to the baby. And I know how incredibly <laughs> dumb that sounds. Turns out babies need attention. All the time. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, what I thought about or what I missed the most from life pre-baby was that you could just kind of live your... Yeah, you can be feeling. selfish. Yeah. You can do whatever you want. You can just pay attention to like, oh, I feel tired today so I can be, I'll just take it easy. Or, hey, I feel like having a fun, spontaneous day. Yeah. Hey, Rach, why don't we just walk across the city and pop into bars and Oh, that a was such sandwich. a fun day. Great day. Yeah. Um, but you can't do that stuff. And, I know. So, and even when you plan for everything and prepare yourself mentally and emotionally for how the challenges that might come in the day, you just can't really anticipate how it's ever going to go. Right. Um, and so I feel like what I missed most is just the control that we had of our our lives. and Yeah. And the autonomy. Do you feel like there are things that we should have done to prepare? Like looking back now, I mean, I know it's been almost six years, but I talk about this with um, new parents a lot is like, make a plan before your baby even gets here. Like who's going to do what? How are you going to handle this scenario? Like, I feel like there's so much emphasis on preparing for birth. I mean, we took a birth class. We went to this birth class every single week for what, six or eight weeks or something. Like imagine if we had taken that type of time and effort and energy into our relationship prep before the baby came. Like, I don't know, going to therapy once a week for a few months or something like that, I feel like would have been so worthwhile. Do you feel like we were prepared at all? I don't feel like we're prepared. I or can you be prepared? I guess. Like, I, yeah, I think if we had had a class similar to our birth prep class, where knowledgeable people really talked about all the various scenarios that might come up mm-hmm. in the first few months or year of having a kid, um, and not necessarily giving you a plan, but sort of giving you choices and options of how you might want to follow things. And just things to think about. I think one of of the big things that sort of stressed us out early on with our first kid was that we had plans and sort of some, not rigid, but we had some fixed ideas about how we were going to do things. Like what? I mean, we had ideas about sleep. We had ideas. And I mean, that's the big one. Um, Most of those came crashing down. But how we were going to do things together and, we were going to try and get the baby so that both of us could feed equally. And like some of that stuff worked and some of it didn't, but I think that we, had, we didn't know it was okay to go a different way. Yeah. And so I think we maybe tried to stick to a blueprint too long that was working for us. And that was a source of stress. Like it's the same thing with parents stressing about their kids, not hitting milestones at the exact right. moment they're told that some book. Yeah. Know, that's so real. 
And so I think that sure have, have a loose, have a working plan, have a fluid plan, but if it doesn't work, make sure that you're kind with yourself and allow you and your couple to kind of your, you and your partner just to make adjustments on the fly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think maybe I don't need you up in the middle of the night with me. Right. Cause you staring at me just <laughs> makes me more angry. Yeah. <laughs> I think probably the most helpful thing, at least for us would have been kind of like a mental health care plan where it's like, if you see these signs, if you see this from me, or if you see me behaving in this way, like that is a red flag and cause for concern. And this is how I would like you to approach me because like looking back now, we obviously can see pretty clearly that I had postpartum anxiety after our first, we had never really even heard of that. I mean, you're in the mental health profession and still this is stuff that's like so just not talked about. It's not common knowledge. And also for a lot of the moms or the birthing partners listening, your partner might also show signs and symptoms of being depressed or being anxious. It's like one in 10, I believe, of non-birthing partners experience some type of postpartum mood disorder. And so those signs, researching those, knowing what to look for and knowing what your partner would want you to do to help them is also so valuable. I think that's one thing that, I mean, I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but one thing we did really right with our third is that we were both like in therapy before she was born and kind of just, we knew what to look out for as far as that kind of stuff. Yeah. And the experience obviously helped. I mean, the first time around with Otto, like certainly. When you don't know what you're doing, it's like just a whole nother layer. And, And just in the mental health field regularly, it's hard to know when something is just due to extraordinary circumstance that's short term or for something right. that's going to be ongoing. Right. And, and when- well, so to that point, let's talk about, cause I think all in all our first postpartum experience, even though it was really hard, really intense, cause it just is for most people with your first baby. I think our relationship actually was in a pretty decent place other than, you know, me like cussing you out in the middle of the night. <laughs> Luckily the rule that we made up benefited me. And so you always forgave me in the morning. So that was great. But I actually think overall, like we, we kind of got back on track after him pretty quickly and pretty well. I think we were like a team with him and that all really fell apart after our second. Yeah. It certainly changed with our second with Otto. We were both able to concentrate all our energy with the same kit. So we were yeah. you know, having these same experience kind of, we were paying attention to the same thing. Yeah. But we were like, kind of like a team. It was us against him in a way, not in a bad way, but it yeah. was, you know, we, you and I were both so invested in this one little person. And like, I think once Noe was born, we kind of split up to divide and conquer. And we might've done that a little too much. I think so. Yeah. I think that we, instead of being knowledgeable about it, everything with both kids. I sort of took Otto as my kid and you took Yeah. We each took a kid and said, see you later. (laughs) See you never. I I think that we made that plan before Noe was born that like, yeah. Cause I was really worried about like how he was going to do with you being, I don't know why I even thought that way. Cause he had already been used to you being his like sole person when I went back to work as a teacher, you were his primary caregiver, but I don't know. Like, I just thought we need to prep him for me not being available at bedtime. So like you need to take over bedtime when I'm six months pregnant or whatever it was. Yeah. It was, it was a change. And I think consequently it also impacted my bonding with Noe because I didn't get a lot of that alone time with her. 
I didn't get a lot of that really, really rich experience when you are responsible for everything. Yeah. Like when I was on paternity leave with Otto, I didn't have to really think about her feeding. I didn't have to think about her naps. Like, and because of that, I, I missed, you know, her being really close to me and her yeah. being reliant and comfortable with me for doing all of those things. Well, so for some context here, Noe was born, our middle daughter was born in at the end of January, 2020. So by the time she was about five weeks old, you had like just gone back to work and COVID hit, obviously. So, you know, Otto's daycare was shut down. She was now home with me full time. I was starting this new sleep certification, starting this new Hey Sleepy Baby page. We had a lot going on. You were an essential worker and you had to go to work. And this was like obviously very early pandemic. It was very scary to have a newborn because nobody knew what was going on. I remember every day you would come home from work and like strip off all your PPE and put everything right in the washer and go take a shower because we were just so scared of contaminating the house and the baby. So like you said before, like some of it was probably just life circumstances and the circumstances of the world and the time that we just happened to be postpartum in. But none of those things were great for our relationship. No, they weren't. I mean, COVID was a pretty awful time for most people early on. I was really anxiety ridden when I was quote unquote deployed. That's the terminology my employer used um, to go be an essential worker. So I was worried about that. I was worried about our family. We also couldn't see a lot of our other support system. We couldn't see my family. We weren't seeing friends. Yeah. And they usually help us so much. So we were just all of a sudden like drowning with no childcare, like probably most people listening that had a child during that time. So you guys know it was, it was really, really tough. Whenever we talk about this, it's hard to tease out like why our relationship struggled so much during that year and during that postpartum period. And I think a large chunk of it was just that we had obviously so much stacked against us and so many like life stressors. We were also moving during that time, which I mean, like, why did we choose to do that? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, there was a lot going I mean, there was a lot of social unrest in the wake. There was George Floyd. There was the political stuff. Yeah. There was so many things going on and it was hard not to let that stuff impact your mental health. And yeah. Then, the world just felt extremely heavy. Yeah, it did. And I think that neither one of us handled it very well individually. And then we were sort of siloed in these experiences parenting. Yeah. We and weren't connecting as a team very much. No. And we, it was hard to get away to, you know, just do things as adults because right. there was nowhere for the kids to go. Right. Normally I think that I would be the one to try and catch that. And mm -hmm. I couldn't, my, my head was too yeah. racked with anxiety and stress and, I think you were going through something really substantial. Yeah. I mean, just talking about like mood disorders, I remember this one weekend very specifically. I think Noe was maybe three or four months old and we had decided to try to get out of the city for the weekend. So we rented a house. Where were we? Like Albion or something? Yeah. And we were driving and I just remember saying out loud for the first time, I think I'm depressed. And there was just not very much reaction from you, which like, I don't know what exactly I was wanting you to say, or if anything that you said would have been the right answer. I truly don't know. But um, I think you just didn't really know what to do with that because it was just another thing to worry about. 
Now, if you know me, you know that I love to cook and I love creating healthy meals for my family. But even more than that, I love things that are easy and convenient. And even though I love to cook dinner for my kids, sometimes for things like lunches or if I'm just going to be working at night and need something easy for myself to grab, I love Factors meals. And especially now in the spring and summertime where we've got more plans, we're busier, we're outside, we're going out and doing things more. Having Factor meals in my fridge is such a game changer because they're healthy, they're zero prep and they're so fresh and delicious factors fresh and never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes right from your microwave so no matter how busy you are you always have time to enjoy nutritious and great tasting meals and when i tell you they are actually delicious i 100 recommend these my mom even recently asked me, are they really good? I heard you talking about them on your podcast, but is it? are you really saying that you like them? And I said, yes, you have to order them. They are actually so, so yummy. So what are you waiting for? There are 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons you can choose from each week. So you always have new flavors to explore. You'll never get bored with the same old meals. They truly taste like restaurant quality, so you don't feel like you're depriving yourself of anything. It actually feels like you're fueling up your body with delicious food that is real and super, super nutrient dense. So you can enjoy this effortless support to your lifestyle. Choose from six menu preferences to help you manage whatever goals you have and simply just eat well-balanced, delicious, easy food. Head to factormeals.com slash no one told us 50 and use code no one told us 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. So this is an amazing deal. That's code no one told us 50 at factormeals.com slash no one told us 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% of your next month while your subscription is active. And feel free to send me a message and ask me for my favorite meals because I love talking about them and I'll be happy to help you choose. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Yeah, I remember not taking you seriously because I thought that you had maybe just like watched a TikTok video where somebody <laughs> self-diagnoses themselves as having like ADHD. And so, I- lesson to all partners: believe your wife or whoever when she says she thinks she's depressed. Take that seriously, please. Another word to all partners: if they don't get it the first time, <laughs> don't hesitate to just. Okay, so I was supposed to just so I was supposed to really just hammer it home. Like how many times would I have had to say it? Just twice, I think. Okay. (laughs) I I do We can laugh about it now. Um But it was it was dark. And I think because I didn't pick up on it, you it made you I self isolated. Totally. Yeah. And so we started kind of sleeping separately, not because of this necessarily. It just was easier at the time because we were moving and um you know, we wanted to have the safest situation possible for Noe to bed share with me. So, you know, it just was what it was for 
a few months where we were sleeping separately. And I actually wanted to ask you this. Do you think that that contributed to us like drifting apart or having a harder time as a couple? Was that we were sleeping separately or, or when we had Noe in the bed for that matter, once we did have our bed back, our king size. When I think back on that time and the struggles that we were going through, I don't think about, I'm sure our parenting struggled in some ways, but I don't think that it was really impacted all that much. And having Noe in the bed was never came to mind as something that I like resented or didn't want. I mean, I was a willing participant in it. Yeah. I think with all of the challenging stuff within the world going on, I was really happy to have our baby close with us. I think taking the approach that we took with Otto, another room, you know, trying to endure X amount of crying before responding. Like I, I wouldn't, my nervous system would not have been able to handle that. Yeah, it was a lot. Mm -hmm. And having this sweet little goofy baby like between us was was sort of just like a nice, sweet reminder. And it felt like, you know, I was sharing a bed with Otto and you were with Noe. It just felt like we were close to our kids. Like we were just in a That's what we were prioritizing at the time. Yeah. And all I wanted to do was have some control over, hey, this crazy, crazy world, I just want to be there for my kids and I want them to know that they are just like safe, secure and unconditionally loved no matter what happens. Yeah. And that felt good as a parent. And I know maybe our relationship struggled because of that, but certainly it made me feel good. Yeah. From the perspective of a parent. Yeah. It's funny because there's this topic um, that's been making headlines in the last few months and like the last few years actually called sleep divorce. Have you heard anything about sleep divorce or like seen any TikToks about it? Like you and I have different feeds. Okay. <laughs> so maybe it's just me, but yeah, it's like becoming more of a thing that, you know, not necessarily just uh, people who are parents, but couples in general are deciding to sleep separately for whatever reason. And I actually didn't really mind it. I just, I don't know. I, I love sharing a room with you and like sharing a bed with you and stuff, but not because I need to sleep next to you. Like while we're both unconscious it's more about like we're going to hang out at night and read our books or watch TV or talk or like be intimate or do whatever. And then, you know, if there's a baby in your room, it's obviously harder to do those things. But the actual sleep itself, I don't really care if we're together or not. That's not even true because every time I go away, <laughs> you're like, oh my God, okay, I have a headache because I didn't sleep because I missed you so much because I can't sleep without you. <laughs> That's different. I'm talking about sleeping separately in the same house. Like mm. I need to know that you're in the house. Otherwise, you're right. I cannot sleep. I'm way too anxious. I don't know how people do that, but I like if you ever had to travel for work or something, I'd have to come with you. I would just like be a groupie following you to wherever you had to go because I truly cannot sleep by myself. It's also crazy that people expect baby to, to sleep alone because I don't know. Anyways, so there was this survey from the American Academy of Sleep Medicine that showed that 35% of the people who responded were sleeping in a different room from their partner consistently and 15% or sorry, occasionally were 20%, which I thought was really interesting that like almost a third, and actually it was even more when they broke it down by age group. So it's um, 43% of millennials are willing to find their own sleep spot. Yeah, about 35% of people that answered actually were. So I thought that was interesting. I don't know that I would want to do that again, like make it a habit. I wouldn't want to do it again. I think even if we had the option... I think I enjoy having our own space, yours and my space. Yeah. Here's the thing though, is like, I hear this all the time from 
mostly moms, who are saying, I need to get my baby out of my bed. My husband's like at his wit's end. He wants the baby out. And that kind of breaks my heart too, because it's putting all this pressure on not just the baby, obviously, but on the mom. And while I get the husband's perspective, I'm also, I just want to like slap him sometimes and be like, this is so temporary. Like, can you please just suck it up? (laughs) Like, if this is what's easier for your wife or this is what your baby needs right now, like, can you just suck it up? Why, like, why can't you? I'm not talking to you. I know you're not talking to me because (laughs) I I agree. But it frustrates me. Yeah. And I think it's challenging. Like I, there are some men in my life who are particular about their sleep and I wonder who you're talking about. I think you probably have an idea, (laughs) but it, it wouldn't work for them. And I think that, and that's fine. That's fine. And and it's challenging, I think, when you have, you know, you ask me a lot sometimes in your Q and A is like, what would you? People ask all the time, what would you say to a partner who doesn't want to bed share and would rather sleep train? Right. If like the mom does want to bed share, and it's challenging because whatever advice I may have, if you're not on the same page, it will cert- It can obviously cause resentments, and you know, these are one of the hard things is you need to navigate as a couple yeah, is trying to have these hard conversations and, and expressing your needs and your thoughts and then making compromise. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would su- suggest like, Hey, this is a really sleep is a challenging thing for a lot of families. I know not all families, but it is challenging for a lot of families. And so if you can compromise and make sacrifice so that the person who is ultimately maybe doing the majority of the heavy lifting, yeah, trying to figure this thing out is inconvenienced less or is... Yeah. I mean, whatever gets everybody the most sleep is going to be the most beneficial for the family's functioning, right? So that's kind of where I stand is like, let's not pressure anybody to do something that they're not comfortable with. Let's figure out a way for everybody to get sleep and for everybody to get, to get their needs met and I guess maybe I'm just being harsh, but like the dad in this scenario that I'm talking about, their needs might not be at the top of the priority list. No. I mean, I'm sure. Do you think that that's fair or do you think that that's really messed up of me? I don't. I think As a mother of a son who might someday be a dad? No. I think that, first of all, this, getting getting the baby to sleep is also the dad's responsibility. Okay. Thank you. In the that's scenario true. that you're describing, it makes it sound like. He's well, like, hey, I think you really need to get this thing to sleep. But that actually is what happens sometimes. And actually totally. a lot is that it's looked at as the mom's res- responsibility. And if she can't get the baby to sleep in the crib or if she's not willing to sleep train the baby, it's like this huge issue in the relationship. Maybe we should just do a whole nother episode on this because this is, it's but, a big topic. And to the, that point though, if you do have things that are assigned to just one person, then you need to go with what that person's opinion is. Okay, if fair. You, if you've decided that if I say I'm going to take on getting the baby to eat and I want to do baby led weaning or something, you don't then get to have opinions if you're not. If I'm not willing to also research and burden yeah. to figure it out and do it and pay attention to it because it takes a lot of learning and practice yeah, and mental energy bandwidth, then you don't get to like, Criticize how you're doing it. Opinion from the sideline. Okay, like, that's a very good pal, analogy. You don't want to get the baby. You don't want to take on baby sleep. Then go sleep somewhere else. No. <laughs> then listen to what she needs. Yeah. And if that doesn't work for you, like boo-hoo. Yeah. No, I think that's very fair. I'm glad we're on the same page about that because those types of um, 
messages really do upset me because I would just never want somebody to be pressured by their partner into doing something with their baby or parenting in a certain way that doesn't align with them because that can cause a lot of stress and anxiety and a lot of resentment. Like that guy is not going to get what he wants in the long run because his wife is going to resent him. Yeah. Don't you think? I don't know. We'll maybe do another episode on this because I am getting fired up about this topic. Um, okay. So last thing I wanted to talk about was our third and how different it's been and how like healing in a way her, the postpartum period with her has been. She's going to be a year soon. I can't believe it. But what would you say is the biggest thing that we did differently or that you think we did better? Or do you think it's just been like luck because I have been more mentally stable this time and she's been a pretty chill baby and we're just like better at this, maybe all the above. What do you think? I mean, I think the thing we did differently was have two practice runs beforehand. (laughs) I mean, we're, it's true. We're in such a different place. You know, there's that, who's the the author that you like to talk about? Each kid didn't get the same parent. Oh, Gabor Mate. Yeah. Gabor Mate. Yeah. That it's just so true. Like when, Otto was born. You and I were literally different people, different people. Yeah. I was working in grad school, doing an internship. We were not like financially stable at all. We were, didn't know what we were doing. And now those things have changed. We're like, we have a stable living situation. We have stable income, financially secure. We have two, we have five years of parenting experience. You have dove headfirst into this whole world about parenting. So you're constantly thinking about it and growing and learning and the kids have benefited. Yeah. They're, I constantly just think about the things that I would apologize to Otto for because, you know, I I did, you know, I did apologize to him for sleep training him recently. I do. I don't know if he's going to retain that apology, but yeah. I will, I will say it forever. I think that obviously the kids have benefited from us being like, better slash more experienced people than we were when we first started. And I think that that's just the journey every parent has to go through. I think, I mean, I'm an oldest child, so I'm sure, you know, my parents would say they made mistakes with me that they wouldn't make with my sisters. And that's just the way it is because there's no way you can really know or really prepare for your first kid. And we just have to kind of practice like real self-compassion with the way we did things then because we were doing our best and we just didn't know what we didn't know. So I think our kids have benefited, but also I think we as individuals have benefited from that experience and as a couple. And I think we talk about this all the time. The biggest thing really is just knowing that everything is a phase and that everything is just temporary and you will get through the other side. And honestly, I think that's one big reason we decided we could have a third. Yeah. I think that we were able to weather some pretty serious storms. I mean, I think 2020 was such an incredibly challenging year on so many fronts and there were times in the midst of that, that I didn't know how we were ever going to come out of it. I know it seemed like the world was just going to be like that forever and that we were going to be like that forever, but things changed and the kids grew and they changed and their personalities changed. And you and I really started enjoying each other again through like no big miracles. No, I know people ask sometimes like what helped you get through it? Like, I wish I could say it was couples therapy or something like we both have been in individual therapy. We think therapy is amazing. We just never for some reason made the time to go together. It's probably something we'll do in the future, but yeah, I don't know if any one thing happened. I think, I think our, our stress levels went down yeah. and we were able to be more ourselves and we were once able- the kids were a little older. Yeah. Yeah. 
it really does get better. And when you're not in survival mode anymore, no, you can see the, a lot more clearly too. And when you grow through it and you can see, oh, wow, this can change. Even if you hit another hard spot again, then you at least have a point of reference that you can be like, oh, wow, I know things have been challenging before. And maybe it'll be like this for a week, a month, a few months, but it will change. Yeah. And it's hard to endure that time before the change comes, but there is certainly hope hiding within the knowledge that it can and that it's not permanent and this isn't going to ruin your life because that's going to make you so sad and it's going to impact the way that you exist through the world and how you take care of your kids and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I I mean, you think self-compassion is also a huge important thing that we need to hammer home is that just be kind with yourself. You were, there's so many data points that come up through the course of a day in parenting and you're going to get a bunch of them wrong. Yeah. It's just trying. It's incredibly trying no matter how patient and smart and knowledgeable you are about all this stuff. It's just exhausting. And so if you get things wrong, which we all do daily, Mm -hmm. that's okay. Just so long as you, not complacent. You don't give into it. You're constantly trying to be better Yeah, and learning from mistakes that you made. It's okay to be fallible. I think that's so true. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Ko, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model. So that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. What would be, I mean, I ask you this every time you come on Hey Sleepy Baby, but what would be your biggest piece of advice for maybe someone who's expecting their first or maybe expecting their second and they're kind of scared or nervous about how their relationship with their partner might change, that they're going to maybe be going down a few rungs on the totem pole of priorities or they're going to get left behind? What would you say? I would say that those fears are valid (laughs) 
that's not my full answer, but that, yeah, like there's another life coming in and your partner is going to be pregnant, breastfeed, do a lot of this stuff. And what having kids revealed to me is that I have a finite amount of bandwidth that I can dedicate to things. And I think that that pertains to most people. And so if your partner is going to be dedicating even more time to a baby or to another baby, it's really important that you are then able to dedicate time to take care of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously the kids too, you're both parenting together, but I agree that it's never going to be 50 50. So what you can do is take some of the stress off of your partner by taking care of their needs. Right. But I think the important piece to add to that is it's important that you're getting your needs met too. And so if you are looking out for your partner and your partner is maybe concentrating all of their energy on the kids and just trying to meet their own basic needs, like eating and sleeping whenever they can, that it's okay for you to look in other areas of your life to get your needs met. And I'm talking about family members, friends, um, you know, exercise. There are things that you can do to try to fill your cup that doesn't require your partner to pour more energy into you just for a short period of time. I'm not talking about a lifetime. I'm just talking about early stages of parenting when little kids are very dependent on moms. It's okay. Like you can feel like your needs are not being met and that you want to find ways to get them filled. So what would be an example of that? Like if you have an exercise regimen or like a self-care regimen, trying to fit that in. Trying to fit that in. But also like, you know, if you want to talk to somebody about how hard parenting is or some of the challenges that you're going through, like, sure, you're going to talk to your partner about that stuff. And it's nice to, you know, feel like you're going through it together. But if you're both down about something and then it becomes like, oh my God, the baby's not sleeping. And you're both just sort of complaining to each other. And it feels like you don't have a solution. And it feels like talking to each other about it's making it even worse. Maybe talk to, to a friend about it. Maybe talk to a family member, a parent. Yeah. Maybe because you can also then talk more freely about frustrations that you're having that don't get caught up in blame or yeah any kind of like assignment of responsibility. Like it, it's, I think you're so good at talking about your feelings and you love to talk about feelings. Feelings are great. <laughs> Honor them. <laughs> and I think a lot of um, people, in particular men, uh, struggle with that. And so a lot gets bottled up. And I think we don't have community anymore. Like a lot of people really, you're mentioning like, oh, talk to your friends. And like, I don't know that a lot of people have a really strong core group of friends that they feel comfortable, you know, dishing all this heavy stuff onto. So that's also really hard. It is hard. Um, and it's something, I mean, obviously people listening to this probably already have kids, but trying to build a life outside of just your partner is really important. And this is something that I feel like I didn't even really embrace until like recently, but that your partner, you're going to go through life together. But if you rely on each other to be your everything, yeah, that's so much responsibility. And then when you have an addition of children and now they have to dedicate some of their energy elsewhere, then where are you going to get that from? Yeah. You know, I love the idea of like going through life together and sharing all of the other things that you also pull in instead of just being like, I need you to be my lover, my best friend, my roommate, like all of these things just, it becomes a really tall order. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially during this period where, like you said, you, you are so needed by these little people. And so, yeah, it can be a lot. And it's it's also a tricky balance though, right? Like having 
not wanting to put too much pressure on your partner to be your everything and to fulfill your every need, but then also making sure that you're, you are checking in with each other and you are staying connected. Like it is, that is also important too. I think I said the last thing was my last question, but I actually did have one more question that, um, most people who responded to this question box wanted to know about, which was, um, like date nights and vacations. What, how we prioritize those, what we do. This is, I think I've only talked about things that people hate on me on TikTok for, but I guess that's just the nature of TikTok. This is another TikTok that I made that people really did not like was that we don't necessarily prioritize like very regular dates and that we don't go on vacations without our kids. That's just like what we prefer. It's not a knock on anybody who enjoys date nights or vacations without their kids, but it's just not what we do. Do you think that that's been a mistake that we've made? Or do you think that that's something that other couples get wrong? What do you think about day nights? I think it worked for, for us. Yeah. Um, to have them, them like very low pressure. We do them when we can, when we can get a babysitter. Or actually now we need two babysitters because we feel like three kids on one person is a lot. It, it wasn't super important now. So we talked about that. And you, yeah, you and I are on the we agreed about it. When we do have a date every once in a while, it's fabulous. It's so fun. Love it. And yeah. every time we're always like, oh, wow, this is fun. We should do this more often. I know. And, and then, then like three months go by. Well, no. Then we get a call like two thirds away through dinner that the baby's <laughs> screaming. And we're like, okay. That happened. That happened once to be fair to poor Lenny. Um, no, but you're right. I mean, every time we do it, we say it's worth it. We want to do it more. But again, it's like it, ad- it does kind of feel like sometimes it adds to that mental burden of like planning what you're going to wear, getting a reservation, lining up childcare. Like it is a lot of stuff to think about. And I don't know, we're kind of like homebodies and it just has never felt like something we really had to do to keep our relationship strong. No. And I would just caution, you know, if you and your partner are total extroverts and something that you, yeah, some people love going out together. Yeah, absolutely. It's something you need to feel alive, then do it, prioritize it. Mm -hmm. And hopefully you have a baby that, enjoys being taken care of by others. Yeah. But I would also, for people who feel like they're supposed to do that, but don't really want to, right? Just, they kind of want to be at home with the baby. Right. They kind of just want to chill for a while. Like don't put that pressure. That's fine. Yourself. And it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with your relationship or that you guys are weird. That's kind of where I was coming from with it too, because I know so many people are so well-meaning, but then when you're getting these this pressure of like, oh, you guys have to get out. Like the baby has to get used to other people or, you know, you need to make time for your partner. You need to go on a date night. Like nobody has really ever said that to us, but this is again, something that I do here. I don't think Although that- actually my mom, actually, mom, you do say this sometimes that we need to go on vacation <laughs> and leave the kids with you, which might happen when they're like teenagers, but not anytime soon. I think that's more about her wanting the kids. No, of course, of yeah. course. And who wouldn't? They're adorable. But, um, yeah, I think a lot of moms do feel this pressure to like bounce back in every single way. Sometimes you do get anxious leaving your baby. And I, I don't know if I can describe that to you because I don't know if you have ever felt that like primal anxiety of being away from your baby, but you it's a thing. Me? Yeah, of course I felt that. Oh, okay. I didn't know if it was just a mom thing. I don't want to be like exclusionary, but turns out I love our kids too. <laughs> it's easy, does it? <laughs> All right. Well, honey, thank you so much for joining me. This was really fun. And I think. We should probably do it again. Maybe we'll pick a different topic. But is there anything else that you want to add or say about relationship changes after kids? Just allow yourself to evolve into a parent. Okay. I like that. Yeah. Because yeah. you do change. You do. And it's okay. And if you're trying to hold on to that identity pre-kid, 
Good luck. Good luck. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, babe. Love you. Thank you. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts.